Welcome to yet another episode of Pursue Podcast. It's great to finally say that again, because uh, and it's great to be back in the studio with you, Kim, uh, and great to spend the f- next few hours chatting about soccer and, and college life. Exactly. It's it's good to be back, and it's good to be joined by a fellow Scandinavian, all the way from Denmark via Teams. Yep. We have Emil Lausen. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun to talk to you today, because um, um, Emil... Obviously, you spent four years at Georgia Southern playing in one of the toughest D1 conferences. You spent a summer with the MLS club New England Revolution and are now back in Denmark working and finishing up your master's degree, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So, a lot of fun things to talk about today. Yeah. Oh, it's um, You've been uh, just like me down in the southern parts of the states, you know, the name of your university, Georgia Southern. It's. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about... Uh, about uh, Georgia Southern, uh, we'll we'll dig into, of course, the whole process. But just so that people understand Georgia Southern, what what is that? Right. So Georgia Southern is is I mean one of the bigger colleges in Georgia. I think they now have about like twenty seven thousand students. Um, it's pretty much just a a college town in the in the middle of nowhere, um, yet yeah, deep in the in the in the south uh, in the U.S. where you know the the culture is is a lot different from what we know it here from uh, Scandinavia. But I mean the people are super nice and and the school is great and and um, I mean the weather was fantastic. So yeah, it was awesome. Uh, uh, if you if you if you look at the map, you know you have Georgia. It's just north of of Florida, and I think you're about maybe two and a half hours from from North Florida, and you're. Maybe an hour from the coast, the Atlantic coast. Uh, right. Cities like, um, I guess, Savannah is uh, where Forrest Gump is sitting on his bench in the park. That's that's exactly. Savannah for for the people that have seen that. Uh, Charleston, another beautiful city, one of my favorite cities in yeah. the U.S. About two and a half hours a bit north on on the Atlantic coast. So, yeah, uh, it, it's it's a very nice place to to study. But before we talk about that, you know, let's rewind to. Your your earlier days in in Aarhus because you you got in touch with uh, Stuart uh, the CEO at at uh, CSUSA and he was the one working with your process and you you obviously went out in in 2015 uh, but you started that process of you know getting ready to become a college soccer player before that uh, but you were in uh, AGF in Aarhus you. You moved away from uh, northern Yilan in, uh, when you were 16 and you lived by yourself to, to, I guess, to become a soccer player. That was the plan? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like a lot of other uh, kids, you have that dream of becoming a professional soccer player. So, you know, I spent my, spent my whole life uh, pursuing that up to that point and, and you know, moving away at, at 16 um, going to high school and I'm, I think we practiced like you know six times a week and and, and all those kind of did all those things and in uh, in AGF and and I think you know at some point you just realize that or somebody tells you that you're just not one of those players that are going to make it to the first team and and you immediately start to think about you know how you can kind of go around and and pursue the stream in, in other ways I think that and also hearing about some guys um, going to the U.S. and really having a blast and, and, you know, playing a good level of soccer was really the things that kind of made it for me and and made me think about it. Because I think, you know, when I started thinking about it in 2013, 2014, there was not that many, you know, players going to the U.S. compared to now. So so um, it, it was it wasn't as widespread, but. But it sounded like a good opportunity, and also just you know wanted to try something different than than everybody else back then. So yeah, and yeah, I, th- I think it, it sounded as a really cool opportunity. But I gotta say that I had no idea what my got what I got myself into though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is uh, 
you know, you can people think about the concept of it, and that is the you know you can combine your academics with your sport, and you can get a you kind of get paid right through the scholarship, and that's <clears throat> very appealing for a lot of. Uh, young people uh, and it's nice to have maybe in your case this was the plan B but then you realize that hey my plan A which is to become a first team player at uh, AGF yeah it's it's not gonna happen uh, so my plan B is then okay I because you, you you did well in school and and that's uh, not the reason why you want to continue with, with uh, studying um, but then it is I think a shock for many that you uh, you don't know exactly what it's like to be a student athlete until you try that. There's uh, how is your day, how's your week? There's different semesters when you're in season, you're in the off season. Um, there's a lot of uh, demands on you that, uh, and then you have the social part, the the English. Uh, you know, that's that's especially in the first year. It's obviously a completely new place, new culture. It's in the south, at least, in where you were, where I was, you know, South Carolina and Georgia. It's super, <laughs> super nice weather. But in August, I remember when I arrived there, it was just so warm. I, I was, uh, it was like, how can I compete and, and play well in, in 40 degrees weather? You know, it's, uh, and it was so humid. So how, how did you, I guess that's something you, you, you just have to experience that. But you didn't know about that when you at uh, age 18, 19, we're like, okay, yeah, this this sounds good. No, I mean, <laughs> I don't really think you can do anything to prepare for it. I guess. Um, I think one of the one of the great things that I've thought about afterwards about going over there, because I mean, you get to a new place, you don't know anyone. Um, I mean, you only know that you're going to go there, uh, play some soccer, and go to school. But, I mean, the good thing about being a student athlete is that on a soccer team, you, I mean, immediately get, like, 25 good friends. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, you come there, and, and I remember the first day of, of preseason, I think, because then in, in the U.S., for soccer, at least, they do, like, a preseason where we had, like, 15 practices in seven days or something ridiculous. So we did, like, a 6 a.m. beep test and then a uh, 10 a.m. practice and a 4 p.m. practice in, like, you know, 35 degrees Celsius or something like that. So, I mean, weather-wise, you can't really do anything to prepare for it. But, I mean, socially and academically and also, you know, language-wise and all that, you just have to be, I guess, open-minded and take it as a as a good challenge. Um, but, I mean, as I also said before, more, um, more and more people or, uh, or young guys and, and girls are going over there. So you have more experiences to draw from now than I feel like I had when I went. So, I mean, you can, you can pick the brain on, on somebody. And, I mean, you guys are doing a good podcast to prepare people to go as well and all that. So you can kind of pick the brain of people that have, um, that have done the same in the past and, and kind of prepare uh, in those ways, uh, I guess, would be good ideas. Yeah, it is. And that's uh, partly why we're doing this, to explain like what is your opportunities, what, what's the journey like. And that is very unique for every single person. It was unique for, for Truls, it was unique for me, uh, for you, for everybody. Um, but uh, th there's some common things that we all cherish i think after after doing that and um uh you know we, you talk about the language you talk about the network you talk about uh, uh your, your degree that you end up with and, and there's doors that that open which we'll talk about later uh, but then in in agf if we go back again to denmark and you you know finding out that hey i'm not going to be a pro at agf you then went uh, to a second division club Right. I mean, I think that was a good kind of overlap. Um, the second division in Denmark is a, is a pretty, pretty high level. And, and I didn't even play consistently there, um, although I played pretty consistently throughout my years in, in AGF. Um, but I mean, when you also go from youth to playing at the senior level, there's also some physical aspects that you have to get used to. But I also think actually it was good. It was a good preparation to, um, you know, challenge yourself a little bit there and and um, and to prepare yourself for for college. Um, yeah. 
Because that was you, you did. You were part of Team Denmark. You you moved to Aarhus when you were when you were sixteen, and you lived there by yourself. Which I mean, that is a <laughs> that is a step right there to move away from yeah. home just to try this f- fully. Yeah. So, uh, and then you did four years. So I guess in your last year of Team Denmark and uh, your fourth year of high school, then you. You played for Skovbakken in the second division, and then that is a very—it's a perfect, I would say, transition into having an impact in the college uh, game in, in Division One, which is—I yeah. think you need to have that uh, um, to play play senior football or soccer yeah. is very important. And do, did you feel that was a key thing for you? I mean, it was. It's always challenging coming to a new club as a player, I think, and and uh, you get some new eyes on you. And and again, as I just said, the physical aspect, which is also a huge part of soccer in the U.S., you know, you get um, you get some um, some some challenges there as well. Um, I, I thought it was a very good transition for me um, as well, although it was more just like a necessity because I had a. Um, a year left of high school before I could go, but but I actually think it was really good for my development and you know yeah preparing me for uh, going to the U.S. Also, I think um, in order to be able to have like an impact on the team over there, it was good to get some experience and you know be able to be one of the more mature players. Although you know I was just a, a freshman to begin with and a little younger than some of the other guys, but. I think you know players from Scandinavia and Europe in general. They they have more experience playing at a higher level than most uh, U.S. players. So uh, definitely. And you, yeah, you were a bit younger than some of the players on the team, but you were still a, an older freshman. You know, the first oh, yeah. year student yeah. freshman. I mean, an American typically is eighteen. You yeah. came over when you were twenty. Uh, yeah, I think I just turned twenty. Yeah, uh, twenty. Just played a year in the Danish second division. You know, you used to being yelled at in practice if you don't mm-hmm. do do well, and uh, I think you, uh, you you learn a lot, and then you and that's also one of the reasons why I think coaches like to recruit. Uh, I mean, you were a centre back, and you're you're a big big centre back, and if you're also vocal and knows how to use your physical attributes, then you have a very good Division One centre back uh, exactly. in our eyes, and also why coaches invest a lot of scholarship money in players like you. Yeah, um, and and then you started the process with us, and you worked with Stu, and I guess there were many options there, but you ended up with Georgia Southern, and and how was the recruiting process? I think it was Jeff Delforn, uh, and he was actually the former assistant um, at my old school in the University of South Carolina. Yeah, right. So it's it's like a small world, the, <laughs> the college soccer community. So I you know I knew Jeff a little bit. He wasn't coaching when I was there, but after I, after I left uh but how how was that recruiting process uh uh for you I mean there, you know there's a lot of uh documents and stuff to get get filled and I just remember I had to sign my name a whole bunch but you get used to that once you go to the US I guess Yeah they need they <laughs> no. need signature for for most things yeah, yeah. and <laughs> exactly. is, it hasn't gotten less paperwork since nope. since you went in 2015 anyway. Yeah no I I guess that's that that sounds very possible No but I mean I I think you know it's correct me if I'm wrong but it's it's you know um, recommended to start at least a year uh, before and and I think I did that and actually got going with the recruiting process pretty early as I remember and then um, some schools started to show interest and actually Georgia Southern was if not the first and one of the first schools and and definitely the first to come up with a a offer that I seriously considered and then after that um, you know, there were some other uh, bits on the table from from further up north. I think in the New York area, there was a, a few. Um, but then I just think that uh, Georgia Southern. Um, I mean, also because you know I talked a lot to to Coach Jeff Delforn there, and and he really showed a big interest in in recruiting me, um, and and probably a bit more than some of the other schools, which was also why I was. I was pretty sure the whole process that Georgia Southern was a very good fit for me, um, and and obviously the financial part also uh, pl- plays into to the um, decision because then 
I mean, I experienced that after actually, you know, verbally committed to Georgia Southern and I told some of the other schools and they were like, oh, I mean, we could just have, we could have offered you a little bit more if you, <laughs> you know, have liked that. But yeah. I ended up with, with Georgia Southern and, and I definitely did not regret that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a bit of a game sometimes to recruiting and it's, it's about things to align, you know, sometimes, um, and, and that's important for when we recruit players and, and athletes, doesn't matter if you're a player or, uh, or what, what sport you do, but the, the, the more quickly you can have things ready in your recruiting process to be recruited. For instance, you've taken the test you need to do, you, you have your English transcript sent so we can tell them what your grade point average is, uh, your video is ready, maybe you also have your full match video, uh, and you know all these tools that we need, then we can find options that fit quite quickly. And sometimes it can take a long time because it's about... Uh, you know, that exact school that will be a fit for, for you, which might not be a fit for Truls, you know, that, that is available. And then it's that matchmaking process. And right. and that is the, an exciting part about it. But And then some coaches, they like to just make decisions quickly. Yes, Emil, yes, I like him. Let's get him. You know, and others might say, hey, we're looking at another another centre-back and we're not quite sure if... Uh, if it is a center back of that size we need, maybe it's more of a guy that also can play right back. You know, there, there's many different right. variations there. And uh, but but it's the the one thing that is critical for a coach to be successful at recruiting internationals. I think one you need to show a big interest, and clearly Jeff did that with you. You have to feel wanted, uh, and two you have to explain because you you don't know Georgia Southern or any other school that well. You don't know exactly what it means. You, it's not like an American that, you know, you understand what college is all about because you haven't been there. So you, you have to really make you understand what it means to come here and how, how yeah. would your time here look like. So I think he, did, he probably did a very good job with that. Um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But did you have special preferences uh before starting this process for what you wanted or were you more just open to hey we'll see what comes and i'll and then make a decision based on the information at hand De definitely the the second uh, one you said there because i mean as i said earlier i didn't really have that i didn't really know that uh, many people that have gone so i didn't really have any you know past experience to make my decision on and and also it's just kind of something that I decided to do and and I just wanted to just throw myself out there and and so I didn't really have any preferences but then when you know Georgia Southern came um came up and you know I looked at at these other schools up north where then I was also like you know I kind of want an adventure with you know a different culture because I mean I'd heard about you know how it might be down in the south and all that so I kind of wanted to experience that culture shock and just try something completely different than Scandinavia. And a culture shock is what you get when you go to to the south, <laughs> when you're from Norway, Definitely. Denmark, Sweden, I mean, anywhere in Europe, I think. And uh, that's, that's up in the next section. So Emil, obviously you played in one of the, um, the tougher D1 conferences in, in, in around the US and um, like you, you told me a little bit before we we did this podcast was that you know playing games against Clemson with thousands thousands of people in the stands and that's quite different from what we're used to playing in in Scandinavia. So could you just give us a little bit of insight in how that is to play in front of that many people and and having that much support around college soccer games? No, I mean it's it's super cool, and and you know it's I think it was like the the record for most people after a game that that home game we had against uh, Clemson one year, I think it was like twelve hundred or something, and it's just amazing because it's all like students, it all you know young people being out there supporting, um, supporting you, other athletes and and friends that you just have uh, coming down, and you know it just provides you with a lot of energy. Um, I'd never really been used to playing in, in front of that many fans at all. And, and it's just the way college works, you know, and people get out there support and they really, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what sport it is. It's just want to support the teams that are associated with that school. I remember from a, a personal standpoint as well, like <clears throat> never had that experience 
you know, obviously playing here and then going over to the U.S., you, you understand how you get that boost from having people in the stands. I remember when we were playing these overtime games where you've done that three times in, in a month and you're tired and you have actually a couple of hundred people or, or a thousand people like, uh, like you, Emil, and having that, that gives you an extra boost when you're a player, when you're out there. It's fun to to actually play in front of that many people, yeah. and, and you get that extra boost. You talk about the twelfth man, yeah. You know the, some of the pro teams here talk yeah. about that, and yeah, you can. I agree. It's uh, um, I had a similar experience just running a half marathon. I'm you know I can run quite a bit, but it's not like I I'm a runner. But I just decided to join this race uh, for a charity half marathon, and then. Uh, this was in England, and the, just the people around this whole track. I mean, we ran at the loop twice. Uh, it just it was thousands of people just around it, and it just even though you were tired, yeah. you managed just to keep going. Uh, then I, <laughs> on the like three kilometers away from the goal line uh, or finish line, I was passed by uh, three people running as. It seemed like a Tarzan with people holding these bamboo uh, sticks on, on each side and a guy dressed up as a gorilla in a cage running in, in the middle of them. So that's... Uh, you got passed by them? Then I got passed by them. Yeah, okay. So I was uh, running out of uh, <laughs> running, running out of steam. This was uh, not, not anything related <laughs> to college, but back to the people and the, the support around you, it's critical. Yeah. I think to and it's fun to to be in that yeah no it's super fun and even because um it, it was it was really hot down there so we always played at night so you could be lucky enough that some some people in the stands turned up a little bit drunk you know and they would uh they would yell a little little louder <laughs> yeah it's it's a good uh, spectacle when especially when you have really good facilities like you did i mean that's uh, with, with a big division one university like georgia southern i mean the you have a football team like American football, uh, and you have so many, so many nice uh, facilities for for the whole athletic department. It's a, quite a big athletic department too. So it's, yeah. uh, um, I guess you you became friends with the, the the athletes in the other sports, and not not just the, the soccer men's and women's players. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you go to study hall at the same place, and you have the same training room where you go and get um, treatment, and and you use the same facilities, the same strength facilities, and all that. So, I mean, you go and, and talk to people from the other sports, and and you know, get connections, which will also make them you know turn up for for your games, and you'll go watch their games, you know, go watch the women's soccer, or the basketball team, or. Or something like that, and it just creates a great atmosphere, and and it's you know it's super cool to get to know people across different sports. Was it a very international uh, uh, athletic department at uh, Georgia Southern? We had so the tennis team was pretty internationally based, and and there was some on the women's soccer team as well. Um, but I mean, besides that, and, and then our team as well, but besides that, not, not really. I mean, there's obviously not a whole lot of international players on the football and basketball, baseball teams and all those classic American sports. Yeah. You have the, I mean, the squad of an American football team is, uh, like 80 plus uh, players. It's, uh, I think it's <laughs> like a hundred plus. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, your teammates, but you can't really know any, everyone on that team when you're playing for that team, which yeah. is strange. But right. as a, you're more like a close-knit family type of feel. I mean, that's at least the analogy a lot of people use for their their soccer team, that you come in and you're just one of the family right away. Yeah. Uh, was that the same feeling that you had coming from Denmark? Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, I mean, at first, people were super welcoming, and you spent so much time together, you know, you go into practice at, you know, 7 in the morning every day, get done around, you know, 10, 11, and then maybe you have meetings a couple of nights uh, during the week. And then when you go for away games, you probably practice in the morning, you leave at noon, and then you play the next day, and then you get home that next um, day during the night. So you basically spend like two days together 
each week um, for away games, you know, preseason, you spend the whole week together pretty much like every single uh, minute. And, you know, it, it was it was great. I remember especially like my first Thanksgiving one, uh, me and, and one of my friends who was actually a, a Norwegian guy as well, you know, we got um, invited to go home with one of our American friends for, for the week. And it just like exemplifies, you know, how much, you know, people care and, and consider you as, as family within the team. Uh, that is uh, that is a very nice thing. Uh, and I think a lot of international students like us, we've because uh, I, I did the exact same thing, was invited yeah. to an American family for Thanksgiving, you know, the, the end of November. And it's uh, that is probably more important than Christmas. For Americans, oh, yeah. uh, no, I, 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 when I talk to people at home, it's like you know Thanksgiving is like their Christmas, or yeah. what Christmas is for us is, is their Thanksgiving. You know, it's 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 huge, and you get to meet the whole family and all those kind of things. It's it's kind of funny, but definitely helps for us, you know, internationals to acclimate over there and feel like we're a part of it. Oh, no doubt. And we, we, to talk a little bit more about your the actual things that happen on the soccer pitch there because there's a lot of things i mean you you did extremely well for 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 georgia southern i mean your your sophomore year your second season you were named team captain and that's when uh there was a change of head coach uh for that season where where john murphy um came in and uh, took over as the head coach and immediately kind of noticed your leadership qualities you know you're a big tall scandinavian vocal uh, center back uh, fits quite perfectly for a team captain, and and so so did he think. Uh, how how was it to to get uh, Murph as as we call him uh, as your head coach? Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed my first year with Coach Kennedy, and obviously he was the one recruiting me. But but you know, Murph, Coach Murph was was definitely different and and something else, more like I've experienced back home in Europe because. I mean, he also coached um, teams in Scotland and all that, so so very vocal and and very aggressive in in his coaching. But it really suited me well. I, I think a lot of the American kids had you know some difficulties getting used to that because they have never really been used to like having a coach that actually yelled at them. But you yeah. know, but I kind of it's, it's just more like. like uh, uh, he wouldn't. Uh, he would give you us an honest answer about what he thought about yeah. uh, something that, if you, like, let's say, you did a drill in practice and it didn't go well, he would say, "Well, this is why it uh, didn't go well." Yeah, but exactly. I would say, I would think at the same time, when you did something well, you would, he'd be sure to let you know. So a very oh, yeah. a straight shooter coach. Yeah. No. Exactly. I mean, you knew that. You know, if he says something to you, that was like his honest opinion, which I think. You know, it it should help a lot of people. It, it definitely helped me, but also, I mean, I liked the coach who was like, if I played bad for the first 15 minutes, I don't mind someone yelling at me that I played like, you know, uh, that I played really bad the first 15 minutes that, you know, I was going to sit on the bench if I didn't pick it up a little bit. Yeah. And, you, you, and needed the way, you, you needed the wake-up call. That helped yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But but he he was really great, and, and he, um, you know, he, he really just, like, spent all the energy he had and on improving the team and, you know, tried to basically improve everything around the setup. Um, I think before I got there, coach Kennedy had been there for like 10 plus years. So I think it was also good to get a, get a change. And, and Murph came from some really professional setups and he really tried to improve like every aspect of being a soccer player and about the soccer program, which I really think helped a lot of people and, and helped changing a lot of, um, mindsets yeah so so what big difference what changes were made that you or how was it how was your typical day as a student athlete when you were in season uh at, at georgia southern so a couple of times a week we would have um, weights um like lifting before practice but in season that would just be like you know some light weight work and some work with bands and stuff but We'd probably do that around like 7 a.m. So we'd wake up maybe like, you know, 6, 15, whatever, eat a little bit, go there, uh, lift at, at 7, and then go to the um, soccer field at from probably 8 to 10 um, and practice. And, and obviously, because 
during the season, the season is very compressed in the U.S., so you probably play games twice a week. So, you know, it's like the uh, Premier League nowadays where the players can't really, you know, go full on in practice because you have so many games. So a lot of it is, is recovery. And then you have like some practices now and then where you actually go a little bit harder. But you know, it's a lot of, you know, preparation from for the games and, you know, doing that was also one thing where Murph, we started doing more like tactical stuff when you got there. You know, around like the pressure and and all those things that we're also used to in in Scandinavia to do a lot. And that's probably things he brought back with him from his time in the professional game in Scotland. And uh, I can just imagine Murph being on the uh, coaching in in Scotland with some uh, with some angry Scots. Uh, <laughs> uh, yelling back but uh, so no, yeah. but it's good uh, you know Murph is certainly one of the one of the great coaching characters uh, and also when you see from a recruiting point with um, he's very specific in exactly what he wants you know he he really sees what what ingredients he needs to to, to build uh, in his team um, but uh, in terms of the structure of the day, I mean, when you were done with practice at uh, maybe 10, then then right. your school day starts, right? Right. Then, I mean, I'd go to class. We could schedule classes from from 11. So I'd go to class probably around 11. Um, so the hard thing about being a student athlete, I think, is, you know, finding uh, times to eat, <laughs> I guess, because then you go to class and you also have to figure out how to get some lunch. So... A lot of the food you eat would be like kind of, you know, walking in between classes or something. Because then when you have classes from 11 to maybe three or four, um, then, you know, some hours to study, eat some dinner. And then during the season, you'd probably have video sessions uh, at least twice a week, which would probably be from like seven to eight, eight thirty, something like that. And then, you know, go home, chill a little bit and then go to sleep and then do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and you have all these restaurants around campus, but uh, yeah, you you couldn't really bring in like an all-you-can-eat buffet-size <laughs> plate to your class uh, lecture and, and sit in the back and eat while 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 listening to your professors. Not not really, not really. I think especially in the beginning, you had to uh, really focus on uh, understanding what was going on at the <laughs> at the first place. So. So no, you couldn't really do that, and and um, but I mean you 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 know you'll always make it work, and you have that little gap between classes. You just gotta yeah. plan accordingly. Those precious ten minutes, for yeah. The, yeah. The run from one classroom to to another <laughs> building across campus with, with exactly. the sandwich. Yeah. I think the what changes the most during your four years at college is is how you manage your time. Time management just keeps on getting better and better each year for each season. And I remember that as well, like freshman year. Probably yeah. didn't, probably didn't eat because I couldn't find the time for it. Yeah. And then by sophomore year, junior year, and senior year, you could literally fit everything into ten minutes. Uh, that's, that's perfect. I have, I think, I have the best uh, advice to anyone uh, that will become a student athlete or is currently a student athlete uh, if they're not already doing it: get a bike uh, and yes. and travel around campus. One, it's time efficient because yeah. you get from A to B quite fast. Two, you do your recovery while you're on the bike. Yeah, so you don't have to, you can go to the treatment room every once in a while, maybe get a massage and, you know, some treatment. But I remember the season where I, I used my bike a lot, hardly any injuries. Yeah. Yeah. The other seasons, too, too much injuries. Uh, so <laughs> that, that would be my number one thing for saving some of those precious minutes. Uh, while still doing something that's great for your body as a student athlete, is to to buy a bike. Yeah, I definitely use my bike as well a oh, lot, which was very. Um, He's Danish, of course. He has a bike. Yeah, yeah that's true. exactly. And but I I will say that I was probably one of like ten people at whole Georgia Southern who biked around because people want to drive around their big trucks, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I had a long, I had a, actually a longboard. That's what I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's good for speed, but not good for recovery. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> But Emil, you, um, your 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 sophomore season was great. You did you did very well uh, from the, your centre back position, and even so well that you the summer was quite exciting for you. Can you explain a little bit how uh, how how the summer was? 
Yeah, so you know, because Murph knew some people up in up in Boston where he's from, and and I got in contact with uh, some coaches up at New England Revolution. So got the chance to go up there and and uh, train with the um, under twenty three team up in or a little bit outside of Boston, out in uh, Foxborough. Um, and and yeah, I mean it was it was super exciting, and and already you know during the first week, my coach calls me and say like, hey. You know, they, they want to see you up with the first team. So then I started consistently over those. I was up there for about two and a half months, um, you know, where I consistently trained with the under-23s, played some scrimmages with them, and also got to train a lot with the uh, first team from the MLS, which, I mean, consisted of, at that point, a couple of U.S. national team players, uh, one from Sierra Leone and, and, you know, a couple of other national team players from different places. Um, I mean, it was it was just an amazing experience, and and you know one of the um, one of the best or some of the best players that I've ever um, been able to train with, and and you know I was you know involved with 11 v 11s um, at their practice and just getting exposure to. I was I was matched up with a guy called Juan Agudelo a lot, who was like a U.S. national team player at that point. Um, super great, and and I specifically remember a couple of times where he got very frustrated because he was not able to to score and you know go past me where I, I really performed well so so I just think that that gave me a, a huge boost and also gave me a lot of confidence that I was actually good enough to you know be a part of of a team on that level uh, that is amazing experience and that's one of the you know doors can open if you do well in your in the college game and you can get opportunities like this over the summer and um what was the difference you know playing there in the summer and this is we're talking mls uh first team this is a very is a top top league in the world and you you get the chance to 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 play and, and compete there what was the difference from say a, a good uh division one game uh versus uh let's say a, a scrimmage or training match for for an mls team in training so I think because Division One soccer in college is very physical, so I don't think the physical aspect was that big of a difference. Besides, they were probably a little bit faster. But then it gets a lot more like you know the European style of soccer, where the players are a lot smarter, um, a lot more professional, and it's just like the you know the technical part. They just don't make those mistakes, and you just get punished whenever you make those mistakes. So for me, it was more like you know. I could have practices where I performed on, you know, 75% and I could still be one of the better players out there. But here, you know, I just had to be on my very best because I also knew that if there was a practice or two practices maybe in a row where I didn't perform, I might not get the call up for the next practice, you know. So you really had to be on your feet and perform really well. But I thought that was also a very good, you know, mental practice for me. Um, to be able to kind of you know like stay focused and and kind of bring that I think I managed to bring that with me and and think about it when I went back to college again and and tried to you know have to perform my best in in every practice because that's eventually how you get better. Oh. I bet uh, Murph was quite happy to get you back uh, for the for the season for your junior year and uh, bring in that experience and. Uh, Maybe spread that out to the rest of your teammates. I mean, you were team captain at that point, and people were probably looking up to you, uh, anyways. But this is—it uh, says something that good players get the chance to do that. And actually, you know, you were there for two and a half months. That, that is—it's uh, not like you were told that. Yeah, one week was enough. We've seen seen enough. Here was the whole the whole time you could be there. Uh, but then there was a coaching change right after you finished uh, up that that summer season, which. It's yeah, it was, always yeah. things happen a lot in, in the in the pro game. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's just the world of soccer. Really, the the team didn't perform, as I remember, it didn't perform that well uh, that year. So, I think like you know, I didn't really stay that much in contact with them, but I know that they knew me, and I think I had done well during those months. Um, so obviously, you know, I walked around hoping for, you know, to go back up there or or um, at least, you know, staying in contact with them. But yeah, then I think the coach got fired like a couple of months after. And 
and just didn't really, you know, stay connected or anything. But yeah, as you said, that's just what happens in soccer, I guess. You just gotta make your way through. Uh, wasn't it Brad Friedel that was uh, coach? Yeah, he was a new coach. Yeah, he was a new coach at Togoa, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a legend. Uh, he, yeah. For those of you that like uh, Tottenham, yeah. Well, no, I'm a, no, but he's a legend throughout. You know, now in the Chelsea's US, in the, he, yeah, in the US, he's a big, big legend. Uh, he, he is, he is yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then your junior year, bit of an anticlimax here. It's uh, you'll just have to explain us what happened because that was uh, you you were f- on fire, right? And then your your junior season doesn't end up becoming what we had all hoped, right? Yeah, well. I actually got to play. I got to play my junior season, and then I got injured um, right after it. I think, and 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 yeah, that was that was definitely a bummer. That kind of you know, I got my, I had some concussions over over the uh, life of my college career, and then, you know, had that fourth or fourth official concussion. I would I would say, and um, yeah, that was that was just the. Uh, a bummer that really put an, an end to it and and the doctors down there told me that you know I was not able to you know proceed playing soccer or anything and and obviously being a being a player in in D1 you know having those experiences hoping to to go pro that was that was definitely heartbreaking and and um I know coach Murph was almost as uh, heartbroken as as I was myself so uh, I think we were all gutted of course I mean you of course it's your it's your head you you gotta when you have a lot of concussions and and the one you you went into this battle right and you hit you right uh, i guess in the forehead and right you have to be careful i mean <laughs> there's there's a life after soccer too but obviously your your the doctors telling you that hey you shouldn't play anymore uh, it's too risky for if something like this happens again i mean you you just gotta that that sucks it, big yeah. time but um uh, yeah it was, what, what could it you was do, a long you know? period where you know i went and um and tried to recover but but i would say you know being in the in the u.s college system because you have such a big you know support system and and you know a lot of athletic trainers a lot of doctors um that are very um or really know what they're doing and all that i i really think that helped and they really tried to you know guide me along the way and 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 they tried to really take um those decisions for me because it was very difficult for me to say okay that's it you know um i'm never gonna play soccer again it was easier i mean it was a lot easier to be told you know you can't play soccer again instead of having to make that decision yourself you can't really do that as i think i was 22 at that point you know Well, that is brutal, but it's like ripping <laughs> yeah. a bandaid off big time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, your junior was still good before you got injured, but it was more like th- that whole junior year just ended up with you having to uh, put your put your boots away. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you your accomplishments both on the on the soccer pitch uh, in in the with your academics. I mean, you ended up earning co-see the academic All American as the first student athlete uh, in Georgia Southern university history to do that which is a remarkable uh, feat i mean what is an academic all-american what what does it take to to become that i think it was like you know it was a combination of obviously getting really good grades and then performing well on the field and then there was like some you know some weighting system but then the that uh, organization cosita basically selected the you know 11 uh, players that were most suitable to get on that team, and and um, yeah, and, and it was obviously players from from all around the country at, at very good schools. So you know, I was I was super proud about um, getting uh, awarded that, um, and and yeah, I really tried to maintain a high level and both you know school wise and also on the pitch throughout my career. So so it, it was really awesome to get. To get that um, award, and especially as the as the first in the school history, it is a f- fantastic achievement and something that, 
where it tells a lot about uh, how much effort you've put into both both arenas and how well you've done. Um, but and that is a difference uh, uh, as to how it is in, let's say, Denmark, in Sweden, in Norway, Scandinavian countries. I, I think most European countries actually. But uh, in the U.S., you get awards and they 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 root for you to get awards. How, yeah. Is that something that's changed your mindset in any way? I mean, I really think it was it was really nice to you know get acknowledged when you did something good. Um, and I don't think we're good enough at, at doing that here in in Scandinavia in particular. So I really enjoyed that about the U.S. culture, and I think you know that was definitely one of my main takeaways from just being in the U.S. in in general is just the way people behave and the way people really cherish for each other and, and wish, you know, each other the best where, you know, sometimes in Scandinavia, you almost feel like everything is a competition in some ways um, where it's, you know, probably not uh, necessary. Um, so it definitely gave me some food for thought afterwards that, you know, that's the way it works in the U S and it just kind of gives you a lot of motivation also um, I, I mean, they give a lot of awards and, and they even gave like, you know, weekly awards and all that. But, you know, why not? Because it really gives you a lot of most motivation that you can feed off from and, and really try to, you know, keep improving your game. And and I think the whole thing about, you know, me going up to the New England Revolution and also had, you know, some other offers to go play with some teams that summer, that wouldn't have happened if they weren't aware that I've had a, that I'd had a good season that year which they all only did because, you know, all that stuff gets shared on, you know, different medias and social media and all that. So I really think there's like a lot of benefits to actually um, do it that way. Oh, it is. And uh, it's, I think most people getting awards will learn to see that, hey, that's actually pretty nice. And hopefully take that part of them with with them home when they when they end up going back. Yeah, it definitely is. But yeah. you, you, Murph, uh, you became his right-hand man. You know, you had one year left, right, after your third year, your junior year, and you ended up uh, being a coach. And you got a scholarship for that, and you saw that you could finish. Uh, it was very unfortunate circumstances, but you, you ended up with a coaching role in the team. So how was that different, you know, your last year from being team captain into now not playing anymore, but helping... Murph and the rest of the coaching staff to get the best out of your your team. How how was that? Yeah, so uh, it was probably not like a you know a classical uh, coaching role that I had because obviously first of all he gave me time to recover, but afterwards it was also more of like a, a gentleman's agreement between me and him that you know I was there as much as I basically wanted to and was able to. Um, but he really just, you know, for me being a captain for the past two seasons before that, he really just wanted, you know, what I've kind of brought to the table at that point for me to continue doing that. And he knew that, you know, once I get out there, I will immediately start to be very vocal and, and try to help my teammates, although it's from the sideline. Um, so I really think that, you know, that was kind of like his aim of doing what he did. He knew that I could um, contribute with something positive and and I think the most important thing that was that you know my merits from the field and and the way my teammates knew me he also knew that they would respect when I actually tried to say something and you know I would go into the huddle with the players before the game and and all those different things that I used to so you know I tried to make it as as much as it was before without you know the um, pretty uh, big or significant change that I just couldn't play. <laughs> oh. So, so no, I I definitely try to you know maintain that role and and helping and and try to look out for his interests as well. And and I I mean I think he thought it was a pretty good solution as well. Yeah. Oh, when you, I mean you you still have a year left uh, to finish up your your bachelor's in, in finance and economics, and then to still be involved and and feel needed. I think was a very good decision uh and i for you to put on your resume that you've already like you've had a leadership position with coaching etc for you know to because you have to at this point start building a career that it does not involve you playing soccer anymore 
No, I mean, definitely. It was, it was very good experience. And um, I mean, f- first of all, for me mentally as well, it was also because, I, as I said earlier, you really get that family experience being a part of a team. So just going from one day being a part of it to not being would, would also be be a significant change. So I was, I was happy to be able to stay involved. But but no, definitely it was it was another experience to coach. But I think I really enjoyed, you know, the leadership role, being a captain on the team. So I don't think it was like a, a, a significant change for me in, in the way I was um, acting. Besides, I probably had to control my temper a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could have the spontaneous outbursts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's funny, we did... Uh, you and I, we did two different things that usually professional players do. You went into coaching, and since my last era, I didn't have good enough knees to play every game, so I ended up actually commentating the games for the TV channel in New Hampshire and 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 for the school. So I ended up being like an expert commentator. So the pun- you did the pundits, yeah, the pundits. Yeah. So you did the coaching thing, and then yeah. I went into the uh, the media role and and did that. So yeah. I remember and now. Now we meet here on the and podcast. now we meet here on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, but then. You ended up uh, graduating in, in 2019, getting your degree, um, uh, which is uh, a great achievement. I mean, that is like a, uh, something to remember forever. It's it's a big lifetime event to to end up with a bachelor's degree. Uh, how how was it like to put the cap and gown? You know, the traditional. Maybe your family came over and uh, and and saw you walk and and get your diploma. No, it, it was amazing, honestly. That's I think those days around graduation are some of the best days of my life. Those were really um, amazing. And, you know, the school, because, you know, yeah, getting a bachelor's degree is big. And, and for some people in the U.S., it's it's just huge because, you know, there would be families there where that was like the first generation of college students. And they were, you know, just all there would be like 20 people from that family and they would just like clap and yell and all that. And and we would do like ceremonies where it was athletes only um and also you know murph would would invite us to his house for a night with like all the families that uh, graduated and all that and you know getting like a uh, cap and gown on although you look a little bit stupid then <laughs> it's it's a really um it, it's really amazing it, it really is was like you know a day that i'll never forget um with with my buddies out there So, Emil, obviously, you graduated at the same time as as I did, and um, if I remember correctly, you tried to get a uh, job in the U.S. Um, before eventually traveling back to Denmark. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I really wanted to, you know, stay and and uh, and further my experience in the U.S. a little bit. So I, I tried to get a job over there, and and had probably you know seven, eight, maybe even ten uh, job interviews with companies. Um, that, you know, I think they like me, but there's just that thing that you need a visa in order to be able to stay and work. And they just have some pretty strict immigration laws in the U.S. right now. So you kind of have to get a sponsorship from the employer, which is pricey. And it's also kind of risky for them to try to do that. So it didn't really, you know, uh, end up happening, um, unfortunately, at that point. Yeah. But you you did land on your feet when you went back to Denmark because you, you had a with your bachelor's in in finance and economics and uh, you landed a job in an investment firm pretty much right away. Yeah. So actually, I probably started realizing at the beginning of the spring 2019 when I graduated that okay, getting a job in the U.S. was was not going to happen. So you know, I started to look look after some opportunities at home and also applied to get into um, into the master's degree um, in finance that I'm that I'm currently in and and I was happy enough to actually my my only my first and only application to a firm back in Denmark to to land that um, job with an um, asset management firm uh, in the investment industry where I basically you know help um doing analysis for investments for for clients um and and then unfortunately i didn't get into the master's degree right away because 
Um, I mean, my experience was that the Danish universities are a little conservative, so it was a little hard for me to, you know, translate the classes from the U.S., but, you know, it, it ended up happening, and, and I got in, actually, without taking any additional classes, but I just had to wait a year, um, so I didn't start until this, this past summer, but then the job that I work with now, I, I basically worked full-time for a year, and then you know, went over to work just part or uh, part time from this past summer. Were so so yeah. I've been I've been with this with this job for more than a year and a half, and and I'm now doing a, a master's in finance at home. So so I, I've definitely landed on my feet and and built a life back here and and really made use of 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 this the American uh, bachelor's degree that I got. Yeah. That's impressive to just put in one application and, and just land that, uh, especially I, in a very competitive industry like like asset management, investment. I mean, that for for people with finance degrees is quite uh, popular to to try and get into that field when you're young and hungry. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, I think I mean I had good grades from the U.S., which definitely helped, but. Because I know there were some other applicants that they looked into, but I really think that uh, nowadays so many people are getting, you know, degrees from universities and and being able to show off that you've actually, you know, gone to the U.S. and taken your degree and and just try to do something different um, will really help you, you know, put you on top of the curb there because because you kind of set yourself aside from everybody else, which is, you know, a great motivation and a great attribute from you know getting a college degree in the u.s i think was that feedback you you got during your interview process or maybe with your colleagues now that after you you know now you get to know them and you like the reasons for hiring you was that a big factor for them you know it was definitely part of it i think it was I mean, every everyone is different, and and it was it was the the whole picture that they tried to to make fit. But I definitely think that they you know saw something interesting in you know me doing something else and and getting that experience in another country and you know showing some initiative and and showing that I was able to stand on my own feet. Um, I definitely think that was a big part of it, and I mean that's what they've told me. Yeah. What uh, you know, your your classes probably a lot of finance numbers and and a lot of investment uh, strategies stuff like this that you learn in college. I mean, how prepared were you for with your because this is a top accredited business degree that you got from Georgia Southern. How how prepared were you coming into a Danish uh, investment firm? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, for work, I was definitely uh, prepared enough. I think the the school was not, you know, it was kind of like in the middle, I guess, academically in the U.S. Um, kind of like average school, um, but but I think it was fine. It was not definitely not too difficult, and I also think that we're, you know, from Scandinavian countries, we're very well prepared. We have really good schools um, to go over there, but it's not that I feel like I've definitely or that I lacked something when I got home. Um, I think, on the other hand, you kind of, you know, learn quicker after taking in all those experiences and something that you can't, um, you know, that you have to consider and that you can't undervalue is the fact that you're fluent in English and, and all those things that people from Denmark are typically are not, so... Uh, that's just an added bonus of just being in another country like the U.S. for for four years. You come yeah. back with uh, obviously perfect uh, perfect English. Uh, but then, you know, and we've been talking about that here in uh, in the office a lot with the shift of maybe American degrees and and that sporting side that more and more employers are more curious about this because it is a you're really training probably and you have commitments for maybe 20 hours plus per week alongside your studies i mean that is uh, you're studying just as many classes as a regular student but they they don't have the 20 hours plus with your, the sport element and and the taking care of yourself and and rehab and physio and, and all taking advantage of the support system but is that something that you think employers here uh, notice 
Um, so that's definitely a big thing for uh, American employers. They they really, you know, if you're a student athlete, they'll almost always take you in for an interview because as, as uh, tools said, it's really a stamp that you know how to manage your time. Um, I don't think you get uh, recognized as much for that back here. Um, probably not, not as much as you should because, you know, playing a sport in college is a very big commitment uh, time-wise. But I, it, it's definitely not a, as big as uh, or doesn't get recognized as much back here as, as it does in, in, the, um, in the U.S. But I also think it's because a lot of employers, you know, you probably at my age, you'd probably get employed by someone who's older than you and they just don't really know how the u.s college system works yeah not, not in the u.s and you you're spot on there with that the status of a student athlete it's uh it, it's it's uh, it has a big standing in yep. society there uh yep. and that's why you see there's in the in the college system across all the different divisions there's more than 650,000 student athletes. <laughs> it's a big, big number, uh, all the way from two-year schools to to the best academic institutions in the world. Uh, so, so it is a. But I think it's um, it takes part time building that culture outside of the U.S. So to really understand, and then it goes back to what we initially said at the beginning here, where you really have to be a student athlete. To understand what that means, yeah. uh, or have maybe been a student or been in close contact with what that means. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it it takes a lot of time and a lot of t- time management skills that you learn along the way. I mean, the fact that you don't really know when you should consume your lunch, <laughs> you know, it's all yeah, well, <laughs> it's I all you you learn along the way. But but it's definitely it's definitely a significant accomplishment if you can go through four years of being a student athlete and and you know my experience was also I had a lot of teammates who quit after one or two years because it was just too big of a pressure for them. Yeah. But I, I guess eating lunch in the investment uh, and asset management uh, sector, it probably is with a sandwich next to your three computer screens, or is that not uh, the right image that I have? Well, well so- sometimes, I guess. But <laughs> Cool. Well, touching on, touching on what we're talking about now, Emil, uh, looking back at your time at, at college and at Georgia Southern, what would be your biggest advice for young uh, future student athletes that are traveling from from Scandinavia over to the U.S. I think just no matter where they go, it's just like you know embracing it and embracing the culture and you know really try to enjoy it. It, it sounds ridiculous, but four years really you know flies by and and for me. Um, you know, not being able to compete all those four years is really, if you go over and, and play a sport, it's really enjoy it, you know, um, every single practice, every single game, all that, just soak it in and, and really try to embrace it and, and enjoy it. Cause not that I didn't do that. Cause I really feel like I did that a lot, but you know, I, I don't really regret anything I did over there. So, so it's really just all about that. I think. Yeah. It's a good advice. Yeah, and I think uh, to add to that, with uh, being prepared for you know what a uh, for a soccer player uh, like a tough preseason, we we see that a lot with uh, uh, with students coming over. Maybe underestimating is not the right word, but not knowing the demands uh, of what you're about to to do. Because you t- you talked about the compressed season, you only have a very small window to yeah. uh, when you come over there the first time to get to know your new teammates and you have to be super fit when you arrive just imagine the 35 degrees uh, two or three training sessions in preseason but you have to be fit for that uh, yeah i mean you definitely have you definitely want to be in a very very good physical condition when you go because i mean the worst thing from the beginning would be that if you you know got injured during preseason because then season starts and if you're out for two weeks you miss four games you know so and that's like one fourth of your season or or something like that so you really want to be in a good uh physical shape because i mean it's just it all goes by super fast and you want to be able to compete because 
you'll get frustrated if you get injured and and all the all that it's 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 easier to get acclimated if if you play definitely yeah so yeah and to to finish up the the million dollar question uh you know what is the best memory if you just we, we talked a lot about your your soccer and and being a student athlete but your best memory outside of uh the sporting uh side of things what what would that be i mean I just have countless memories with, you know, um, good parties and good travels and all those kind of things. You know, I was able to go visit friend, a friend in, in uh, California. Um, I was able to, you know, go to Boston and, and spend the spring break with a buddy down in Tampa. Um, I, so I think, you know, just like the best memories was, was definitely those, you know, travels that you made outside. And, and that's probably another advice to give you know really you know throw yourself into it and and go explore the whole country while you're there because then you get back to scandinavia and you really find that okay it's not that easy to go and and visit you know california or or, uh, tampa or texas or something like that so you know once you're over there you really make use of those four years and and go explore that's yep. good. I think we've all done that and yep. would fully agree. So 100%. Yeah, that's great. Emil, thank you so much. I know you're you're a busy guy with your masters in finance plus uh, the countless million dollar investments you you're doing on a daily basis. Uh, so uh, really appreciate you you uh, joining our our show. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was it was my pleasure. Great. Thanks. 